Welcome back to the Physicians Helping Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Mudge Riley. I changed careers back in the early 2000s and I found it very difficult. So I made it my mission at that point to help other physicians who were looking to figure out a career transition or what to do to diversify their career with a side gig or multiple different small careers. Today, we have an amazing guest. His name is Jay Dave. He's going to tell us a little bit about his background and what he's doing in medical affairs. Hi, Jay. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me today. Oh, yes. Well, I'm really excited, and I know the listeners are really excited to hear from you too because there are so many people who are interested in industry and medical affairs and what that means, and I know we'll get to all of that, but First, tell us a little bit about your background and your education. Um, thanks, Michelle. So, yeah, I completed my, uh, I, I was born and raised in London and completed my education over there. Um, I then had the opportunity to move abroad for medical school and then come back to do my clinical training at University of London. So uh, that was great. I enjoyed it and loved every part of medical school and, and my clinical training. Um, and as it came close to graduation, we were at the point where I had to decide, you know, what my plans were and what I wanted to do um, with my girlfriend at the time and now my wife, uh, who was from the U.S., ended up getting a residency um, over here. So we were in that cross top, sort of crossroads where we had to decide what we wanted to do. Um, and then I ended up coming to the States, uh, talked to my way into doing some research and then a clinical externship at her hospital where I obviously saw how different um, medicine was and the way it was practiced. So I had to make that call and, and essentially find people like yourself to say, Michelle, this is totally different to what I'm used to. Um, however, I love medicine, but what else can I do with my degree? And that's, I guess, where me and you met. Yeah, I do remember that. Okay, so you completed your clinical training abroad in London, it sounds like. Is that right? Yes, um, yes. I come back to do my clinical training in London because essentially... That was the plan, um, was to settle back in London. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, sort of life took, took, took its toll and, and we moved over to the States and, you know, I had to experience a whole different way of life. Sure. And essentially practicing was just, just totally different to what I was used to. Yeah, you, you know, it's pretty common that people will come over here from a different country and they face challenges. Talk about some of those challenges that you faced when you were looking for work or uh, residency or um, just kind of talk about where you were and what you did. Sure. Um, you know, so coming to the UK system, which is, which is relatively different to the US one where you come into the US, you're applying for a specialty right away. Um, and having completed my clinical training abroad, I, I was in that position where primary care was most likely going to be my, my attained residency. Um, and obviously I was getting my clinical experience in that too. So once I really got to see the ins and outs of a couple of hospitals, um, I, I just, I, I don't know, I spoke to a lot of people, a lot of residents and, and saw the way that they were doing things and obviously having my wife doing it also, I was very close to it. Um, and I don't know, I kind of, as a consensus across the board, people didn't seem that happy to me um, doing what they were doing. Um, so I, in that case, I sort of took a step back and said, well, if the consensus is this, then potentially I need to look at something else. Um, and more importantly, I was just falling, falling out of love with the reason why I was doing it in the first place. You know, I was constantly on the EMR and not necessarily spending time on my patients. And it was, it, was a, it was a question, you know, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Is this, is this the plan? Um, is it constant on calls and night shifts and, you know, shift work or whatever it may be? 
Um, and I just took a step back and said, no, I, I think I want to do something else and, um, and see what my options were. Okay. So you decided to do something else. So what, when you made that decision, what, where did you go? What did you do? Sure. Um, you know, so having, um, having an MD and, and sort of just really knowing one thing uh, when it came to clinical medicine and on that side of things, um, I, I was, I was a little bit taken back a little bit when I was online doing some research, so, you know, what else can I do? What, what are my options out there? And actually I came to find there was a, a number of things that I could do. And obviously, again, speaking with people like yourself, um, that really opened my mind up to a number of different avenues that, that I didn't, I wasn't even aware of. Um, so for me, it was a question of, you know, what do I enjoy doing? What do I like? Um, what am I good at? What are my strengths? And I enjoy traveling. I've been, you know, part of a traveling family my entire life. Um, I enjoy the science. I, I you know, love patient contact. The only thing I didn't enjoy was the, the other side of it with the, you know, the note-taking in the bureaucracy that comes with being in clinical practice. Um, so I decided to say, well, okay, these are things that I like. These are things that I enjoy, you know, traveling, talking to science and talking to people. Um, I came across positions in medical affairs, you know, medical science liaisons, medical consulting, consulting that kind of role. Um, again, did some more research into that field and realized that was perfect. It was exactly what I was looking for. Um, you know, being, having the ability to talk to people at the top of their game about you know, being able to give them education and teach and talk science at a very high level with people, again, at the top of their game that make decisions and change protocols and things of, of that nature. So, I'm, you know, I now have, have a, I'm lucky enough to get a position where, you know, I wake up in a new city every week and I'm talking to people from around the world and it's something that I really, really enjoy. But however, as with most things, these issues come up with not having previous experience. So I kind of hit that brick wall when having, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm a smart kid. I have an MD. I feel like I can talk to people, but not having the experience was my Achilles. Um, and I needed to figure out a way to get in, um, into having these conversations and telling my story. Yes, that is an obstacle for sure, because most places don't want to hire you with, with no experience. So what did you do? Sure. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I was doing what most people do was, you know, on LinkedIn, networking, doing whatever I could, um, applying for positions that even though I, I didn't have the experience, I thought, you know, let me, let me try this because I, I have the background. I, I feel like I have the right skills to be able to do this job. As, as per usual, nothing came back. Um, I wasn't hearing back from recruiters and so on and so forth. So I quickly realized that at this point, I needed to get in front of people and tell my story, you know, get really get into networking opportunities where I'm talking to other people in medical affairs, hiring managers, other professionals in the space, peers, that kind of thing. And, and so, you know, this is, this is what I'm, I'm doing. This is my background. This is why I feel that I'll be good for your organization. Am I doing the right things? You know, am I, am I going down the right track? Because to say the least, the information is, is very gray out there um, for people like myself coming from a clinical background. So I wanted to be able to get in front of people. So I started to attend conferences, um, really talk to anybody that was willing to talk to me on the phone through LinkedIn um, or through other networks, that social media perhaps. Um, and I and, and did that. You know, I, I managed to get in front of the right people and I had one interview, one shot, and that was it the rest of history and I was able to land my first role um, in medical affairs um, and, and honestly for, for me personally having come from that clinical background and, and seeing the grind and seeing the way things were and where I was at that time you know I, I really really could not be happier with the flexibility that I now have the conversations that I'm now having 
um, the total autonomy um, to have a company that really supports me developmentally to help me, you know, reach my goals um, down the line. Uh, so I'm, I really feel like I'm in a great space. And and to be honest, when I didn't know what I was going to do, when, you know, when I come in from England and, and saw, you know, well, what am I going to do? All I know is how to do medicine. Um, I, I really, I really could be happier to, to come across a position where I'm able to use all my skills, still use my medical degree every single day, um, and to really make change on a on a you know on a large scale. Uh, you know, for me personally, right now in the space, so I'm in diabetes and diabetic macular edema, and you know I'm, I'm dealing with this re- disease that's you know, life-threatening and it's just debilitating so many patients and. I feel like in, in my area and where I'm working, the physicians that I'm working with, I've made a huge impact to specifically directly with patients' care and these patients where I don't think I would have necessarily made in clinical practice throughout a, you know, a long time. So, um, so yeah, I, it brings together everything for me. It allows me to use my science. It allows me to travel the world and, and have conversations with, with people at the top of their game. Yeah, that is so cool. That is what most of us want. So it sounds like this is a great fit for you. Uh, when when you were networking, did you keep a list? How many people did you end up talking to before you were able to get that successful interview? That's a good question. Um, you know, so <laughs> LinkedIn is a is a, a great tool, obviously, to be able to just uh, talk to anyone and and sort of you know obviously write personal messages and see whoever got back to you. Um, I would say on average out of every 10 people I got in touch with, I would say about six responded, um, you know, maybe about two or three of them, I'll speak to them on the phone, but I was, I would like to, um, I was quite strategic too with who I was talking to and the, the areas of the people that they lived in and, you know, where they worked and lived because I wanted to, it needed to make sense to me um, because relocation wasn't necessarily an option at the time. Um, so I, yeah, I would say about, I spoke to about three or four out of 10 people. Um, and yeah, I would keep a list and, and sort of circle back with them every time. But I knew essentially every person that I was speaking to, um, it was like an interview, you know, I treated it like an interview. I wanted to make sure that they heard me and they never forgot me. Um, they, you know, they, they understood my story, my message. And, and even though I didn't have the experience that they're traditionally looking for, I made sure that I told my, my experience with the way I have it and how it translates into their industry and how I feel that I could be good at it. And back to your previous question about, you know, not having the experience and, you know, what could I do? Because again, how, how do you get experience in something that nobody will give you experience in? Um, and this is my advice for other people that wanted to potentially move into medical affairs is find experience that's relatable, you know, to, to be able to say, well, I did X, Y, and Z, and this is why I can do A, B, and C for you um, because I do this job already. Um, so me personally, not having to be able to get medical affairs experience, I worked as an epic um, medical liaison. So, you know, I was talking to doctors every day. I was doing presentations for them. I was, um, you know, traveling around the country, doing projects, uh, talking one-on-one. Having such discussion with physicians and teaching them how to use their electronic medical records. And I realized that, well, that is the job. That is what medical affairs and medical science liaisons do. They talk to physicians, they translate science, and they break it down in a simple way. Um, so that's what I did. I saw that. I looked at it like a, that was exactly what I needed to do to be able to get where I wanted to get to. And it's exactly what happened. And honestly, I, I wish and I tell my friends now that are in residency and even in fellowship and others that are applying, um, I've a lot of people have come in my direction that I've been able to help and get jobs and really tell them that, you know, these are not your only options. There is a hundred things that you can do and, um, and to be able to help a few of them now and, and help them secure positions in medical affairs 
has been really, really rewarding for me um, to see how their life has been changed from what they used to be and to where they are today. Um, and just the mental health in general, just how happy they are with their lives. So I'm, I'm just really glad that's why I wanted to speak with you and, and be a part of this because I would love to help other people you know, achieve the same goals and, and let them know that there are some options out there for them and some really, really good ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so this epic thing, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm not sure our listeners are familiar with what epic is and what that particular job that you got was. Sure, sure. So um, epic is the new EMR that's been adopted um, around the country and around the world now. Um, the thing with Epic was that it worked out with me was timing. Um, there was a time where hospitals around the country were implementing Epic and what they wanted was other physicians and other MDs to come in to be able to teach the system to that respective physician. So for example, um, you know, I would have a group of cardiologists that I would go in and teach the Epic module for that um, hospital. Uh, cardiologists. Uh, you know, at, at this point in time, the, the position would be daily lectures, one-on-one um, -on -one meetings, uh, group classroom teaching sessions, that kind of thing. Um, and, 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 you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to get into a room with physicians and talk to them. So if I ever was lucky enough to get in front of a hiring manager in medical affairs world, I can say, look, I've been doing this for the last two years. I've been going around the country teaching physicians how to use EMR in a scientific manner by essentially dumbing it down to a point where anybody can learn it. And the reason that it wasn't because I was some sort of expert in Epic, you know, absolutely not. There are people that know Epic inside out in the IT world, but the problem they have is that they can't you know, have that scientific exchange with the physician. So when they're talking about an orders or putting in, um, you know, putting in orders or any drug questions or any contraindications or adverse reactions, we were able to point those things out, which you know, could potentially, um, if, if was missed, could, could be catastrophic. So I understood what they were trying to do. Um, and that's essentially what the medical science liaison world is, is being able to translate medical information to other um, professionals in the space. But by having an MD or a PharmD, you know, you hold leverage um, in, in that scenario. So it just put together everything for me. Uh, but by no means was my plan to work Epic. Epic is a tough job, you know, to, to be, be away at three months, four months at a time, you know, seven to seven, 12 hours a day. Uh, you're walking around wards and helping physicians, you know, use, and implement Epic. So for me, it was a stepping stone. Um, however, there's no reason why others haven't and will continue to do so by moving into that space in the consulting role, which is gonna open the doors for you in medical affairs um, in, in other opportunities. Yeah, I really like how you translated those skills and you saw that opportunity within Epic and then um, were able to communicate that to get your first role in medical affairs did you feel like that was the gap that was there and why you weren't getting a job in medical affairs? Did you? Absolutely. Um, I, I totally feel like it was about experience. But, but saying that, I also want to point out that I feel like it, in today's day and age, any conversation can lead to any position anywhere. There are no longer any rules attached to it. You know, the fact that I have an MD gets me through the door. Now, there is no reason that from that point on, even if I don't have ex experience, I want to be able to show the person that I'm speaking to that I can bring them value and what I can do. And, and, and nowadays, you know, I feel like if you're speaking to somebody, especially in the medical affairs world, I'll talk to people on LinkedIn that reach out to me all the time, you know, because I like to pay it forward the way people help to me. Out. Um, and I'll talk to them and I, and I tell them right away, like, I feel like you're going to struggle. I feel like this is going to be the good parts. These are the things that you need help with. And, you know, not everybody's going to be the right candidate, but you know who's good. You can just tell. And in the world that I'm in now, that is key. That is gold. 
to be able to have that EQ um, is, is so important. You know, I, I go on these training programs and things all the time where everybody's smart now, everybody has letters by their name and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, are they normal? They're not weird. And, you know, they have an EQ that they know what to do and when to do it. They become unstoppable in the industry. Um, and that's my goal. And that's what I would like to, you know, help make other people achieve because so what, you know, just because the rules, you know, they wanted five to seven experience, years of experience, you know, so just because that's what, you know, change it, tell them, to find a way in, you know, figure it out, tell them what you know, how you know it and why you bring the value to the company, even though you don't have that five to seven years of experience that other people may have. Um, but, you know, you're able to bring something different to the table. Yeah, there, there are definitely roles that are asking for that kind of experience that do not require it. So I also want to encourage any listeners that are getting down on themselves because they don't have that five to seven years of experience. Not only can you take what you're doing now or what you've done, translate those skills into what's relevant for the position you want, but also remember that those job descriptions are generated by HR and they are not always followed to a T. In fact, they rarely are. Uh, not every bullet point is fulfilled in almost any job description. Sure. So that five to seven years experience is, is not something that has to be had before you can get a role within medical affairs. Now, it is an obstacle, like you mentioned, that not having experience or not being able to communicate that, but just that flat out five to seven years um, don't don't look at that, see it, and give up. Right, exactly. Because you know, if that was the case, then yeah, I would never apply to a position ever. <laughs> right. Everyone something, and and it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, if I don't have the experience, how, how do I get it? What do I need to do? Right. Um, but you have to kind of think outside of the box a little bit. Um, you know, everyone says the same thing, like, oh, how can I get the experience? How can I get the experience? So look, find some experience that's relatable that you know you can say that because mm -hmm. of this, I would use it, this, that kind of thing. Because if you can't get it, you can't get it. You know, it is mm -hmm. what it is. Um, and I just, you know, there's no point dwelling on what you can't control. So I, I, I just say, you know, let's get out there, let's find a way and, and, and really, you know, play, play, play the game, you know, do what you have to do to be able to get where you want to get to. Because when it's all said and done, this just comes down to, you know, you wanting to do something of value to help you down the line um, with whatever you were unhappy with, potentially with clinical medicine or, for whatever reason you weren't pursuing it, but there are always options and, and I'm, you know, I'll be happy to help anyone that's involved. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more than about this Epic gig? It sounds like it's easier to get into that than medical affairs. And so it can be a stepping stone for some people. What would be the way to find those types of jobs? Sure. Um, so, you know, Epic is, like I mentioned, timing was everything. Um, there was a time when I came in where jobs were abundant and um, there were, you know, you, you could get into multiple projects and, and have things lined up for a year or two. Um, however, now things are more difficult and, you know, the space is more saturated. Um, so what ends up happening is a lot of the bigger companies, uh, big IT companies tend to get contracts with hospitals and they will get in touch and say, you know, we need 20 or 30 physicians. What I try to do is I've built some relationships over time. And I tried to fill the gap for them. So they'll get in touch with me and say, hey, Jay, we need four or five physicians or 10 physicians or whatever it may be. And I'll try and put it out to my network to say, hey, these are the dates, this is the project, this is the pay. Are you interested in doing this? Um, and through that, I've now had, you know, four friends and a couple of other people that have done exactly what I did and, you know, have landed a role in medical affairs, um, a couple in CROs, uh, clinical research. So it's, 
it's doing something, right? You come to this point where a lot of people, you know, if, if they are applying for residency or they're in a residency, it's like you haven't done anything else for a long time. So it's almost like you want to get something on your resume to say, well, this is what I've been doing. Um, you know, this is, this is why I think that I can, again, do well for your organization. So that's been the, the route for me and the blueprint that I set out, uh, which has worked for a few people where they've gone into epic gigs and then, you know, showed them how that experience relates into medical affairs. And, you know, they've been fortunate enough to land a position also. Yeah. So it sounds like Epic isn't the silver bullet here. It's really just finding a role where you can demonstrate outcomes and results and then apply those to whatever role you ultimately want so that you don't have a huge um, gap since you last worked and you're looking for that, that dream job because it's rare to go from not working for six months to two years to three years into that dream job. You often need to have something that shows relevancy and uh, the fact that you can work and you can bring value and demonstrate results and all that. Is that right. kind of what yeah. I'm hearing? Absolutely. No, you're right, right on the nail on the head with that. Um, it's, it's about showing them what you've been doing. You know, because mm-hmm. if you have a gap or, and you know, you've, you're waiting for residency, you're applying, you're not sure you want to do it, whatever it may be, it's like, well, what did you do between you know, 2014 and 2018? Right. You know, what was happening, sort of thing. Um, and, and it doesn't, you know, Epic was just my, my way. You know, that was my road where I, I saw the path of least resistance and it just made total sense because that was the job I was doing. And it kind of fell in my lap. So, you know, maybe I got a little bit lucky with that. So that was the way it worked out for me. But there's no reason why you can't go out there and do, you know, medical writing, medical communications. Like there are things that you can do that you can translate into other ways that, in medical affairs, you know, wearing one hat is not the way it goes. You're wearing multiple hats. You're doing multiple things. Um, so they want to kind of see that, you know, they want to see if we put this position, person in a position to be traveling around and representing our company, are they able to do that? And, and, I, and I understand, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure I would want to hire someone that's got a four-year gap since med school and they haven't, you know, gone into clinical training or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is it that you've been doing? Um, you know, even in my case, when, when I realized that, I wasn't going to go down the clinical route in the US. My wife and I did a lot of um, global health work. So we would go away every year and do Kenya, Peru, India, that kind of thing. And that's the way I keep my clinical skills um, up to scratch and, and really brings me back to why I did it in the first place. <clears throat> you know, spending two weeks in the third world somewhere and, and doing that on the ground is, I don't know, it, it feels more to me than I would have ever got in a, a year or however many years in clinical practice um, in the West. So you know, each their own. I, I understand it's, it's not for everyone and uh, whatever it may be, but I just, I just wanted people to know that if they don't want to do a residency and for whatever reason they're not able to, there are options out there for them. Um, find some relatable experience, see what you're good at, you know, work towards your strengths. And I, I feel like there are, there are positions out there for you. Um, you just got to look for them. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. And I tell people that all the time. It's it's really easy to lose heart though. So it's nice to hear from someone who actually did it and the route that you took and maybe give some people some strategy if they haven't thought about, you know, what to do or if what they're doing now isn't working. Right, right, exactly. Just just to know that, you know, you need to change it up a little bit at some times to to be able to just take a look at it and, and step back from it a little bit. You know, I, I know, I know a lot of these students where, where they're coming from when they graduate and they've just been doing the same thing. Um, you know, I, I didn't even know about the medical affairs world, to be perfectly honest. You know, when I came out of it, I, I knew people did industry and I knew there's a pharmaceutical side of things. But in my head, I always pictured that as some sort of sales, you know, it was like pharmaceutical sales. 
And that is exactly the opposite of what we do. It's all science. Um, you know, I'm able to use my degree to be able to talk to, to you know, people that are doing great things in their space and be able to add some value to them and potentially even tell them something they don't know. Um, which is which is really nice. You know, it's it's nice to be have a seat at the table to have these conversations and and be a part be a you know a part of something huge. Um, so yeah, no, um, I, I really really couldn't be happy with the with the decision that I made. And you know, everything happens for a reason. And I just wanted people to know that there is hope, and I'll be here to help if if I can. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, would you like to leave the listeners with anything? I, I think. I mean, you've already given us a great amount of information and a lot of very good, tangible how-tos for making that transition. Is there anything else you'd like to leave people with? Sure, I would. You know, um, I've bumped my head a few times um, going down this road and, and have tried a number of different things where I, I feel like I, I know the path of least resistance. Um, and I think having a plan is, is really important. And, and to be you know, honest and realistic with yourself to say you don't have to do what somebody else wants you to do. And just because you've chosen a career path in medicine, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go down that road. Um, have a plan. And by that, I mean, you know, talk to people with background in coaching or, you know, that can help you with your resume. You know, the reason I say that is because, you know, you saved me a lot of time. Um, people in my world that are trying to do what I did and what I was trying to do at the time, they take too long and that gap is difficult to explain. And I don't see the point of it, to be perfectly honest. If, if I know what I want and what I want to do, I want to make sure that my resume, and you know, that I've ticked the boxes. And, and a lot of the time I think people think that just because they have an MD and they've even done a residency that they're just supposed to get a job, you know, for 200 grand a year. It doesn't work like that. Um, and I want them to be able to really take a look at themselves to say, well, if I want to go down this road and I want to, you know, potentially look into medical affairs or communications or whatever, I'm going to gear my life and my experience and my resume towards that. Um, and sometimes you need help doing that. And, and I definitely did, um, you know, with, you know, of course me and you went back and forth so many times with phone calls and emails with my resumes and tweaking it and, you know, what to say, what not to say. So use that, you know, use the resources around you. Um, because I think, I think this is not for one person to kind of go out there and do themselves. It's a, it's a team effort. And, I, for me personally, you know, I spoke to the right people at the right time and it changed my life forever. Um, and I, I would suggest the same thing for you, you know, work, work smart, not hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking some of your time to be with us today. I know you've got a really heavy travel schedule and you're always speaking at conferences. You'll be at the NIH uh, next week, right? I am. I am. Yeah, I'll be at the NIH next week. And, um, and I hope to obviously be in Austin with uh, you and the rest of the people for the conference too. Yeah, that's going to be great. I think that's going to be a huge value add for those people that are interested in medical affairs and even people who are just trying to make that transition and figure out their best strategy. So Jay, thank you. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, how would they do that? Um, sure. Uh, feel free to email me. Um, I'm on LinkedIn also. Uh, my email is J-A-Y-D-A-V-E md at gmail.com pretty easy to remember all right great well jay thanks for being here with us today everyone else thank you for joining us and listening with us today we've had a really interesting guest and next week we have another one so come back join us and have a great day bye-bye thank you